Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening. So here we are, parable of the sower, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read to verse 20. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately sprang up, since it had no depth of depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched out, and since it did not have root, it withered away. The other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And the other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty-fold and sixty-fold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who hears, he who has ears, let him hear. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. And the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises, an account of the word immediately, an account of the, yeah, of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. So this is the word of God. I'm going to pray, and then Billy's going to come and preach for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us ears to hear. I ask that you would open our ears, that you would humble us, that you would allow us to understand your word, and that you would allow us to receive your word, accept it, and apply it to our lives with joy. It's sometimes hard. (laughs) Your word is convicting, but your word is true, and your word leads to true life and life in you. So help us to trust that. Help us to trust you. Would you deepen and widen our faith? And would you use us and each other and your church to do that? Be with Billy as he has worked hard to study this scripture. 
Would that be honoring and pleasing in your sight? Would you order his thoughts, order his words? Holy Spirit, speak directly to us through Billy. May you hide him behind the shadow of the cross that it is not him that is speaking, but it is you. It is only for your fame, for your glory, and for your word to be known, Father. So please bless this time to nourish us, to grow us. Thank you so much that you sent your son to die for us. Thank you so much for your great, great love. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, again, good morning, Coram Deo Church. Hope you guys enjoyed the snow this week. We certainly did. Um, reminds me of last January when we got next to nothing, right? We got just a little tiny bit of snow. Um, thinking back to last January, uh, we had an incredible start to what ended up being a really difficult year, absolutely. But it started with a gifted trip to Disney World. Um, we, we were able to take our then foster daughter for a week of unforgettable fun. Now, an important precursor to this, right? Something, something to know. When I look back at 2019, so looking way back a little bit, um, by far my most played song of 2019 or the most played songs was the Frozen 2 soundtrack. And that's because of the little girl we were hosting in our home. She loved Frozen. I mean, what six-year-old girl doesn't, right? Well, after she saw Frozen 2, not once, not twice, but three times in theaters, it was safe to say that she absolutely was obsessed with Frozen. Um, she was so excited, probably the most excited, about seeing Elsa at Disney. And so when we fast forward now to our trip, we get there day one, of course, Magic Kingdom, right? I've never been to Disney, um, and so I was excited too. Um, didn't really know what to expect. Assumed it would just be like, you know, other theme parks, but maybe up a notch. Man, let me tell you, it is incredible. And I finally get why people love it so much. We go into the park and we are ushered in. Music is blaring from the speakers. We see the castle in the distance. There's cast members dancing. And I'm like, what is going on? It's wild. And on the way in, right before we even step into the park, right? We're talking, you go through the gates, you round the corner, and then you're on you know, Main Street of Disney World and you can see Cinderella's castle. Before even that, we round the corner into, we get through the gates, and there are these trinkets for sale. Um, and sure enough, our little girl asks if she could buy something. And we told her, hey, look, not yet. Trust us. Just wait till we get inside. There's going to be way more things that you're going to want. Just hold on. And she looked longingly at the stuff. And I said, listen, we, we don't have time to look right now. We will look later. We have a fast pass here in a minute. We got to go. So she begrudgingly agrees, and we hightail it to Dumbo to get in line for our fast passes. We go, we ride Dumbo, we have a great time, and I look at my watch, and I think, man, I think we've got just enough time, and boom, just like I had planned it, we make it back to the castle just in time for, you guessed it, Queen Elsa. That's right. I knew that they were going to bring out all these Disney characters from the castle. They were going to do a whole performance. Elsa's going to come out. She's going to sing. It's going to be a spectacular moment. And I'm so proud, right? I'm in full dad mode. I've got success right before me. I had scheduled everything perfectly right to a T. We were able to get a quick ride in. Now we're at the park. Now we're in front of the castle. Everything's coming together. It's Disney magic. 
So I scoop up our little girl. I hoist her onto my shoulders because I know then she can have the perfect line to see everybody dancing and Elsa's going to come out and it's going to be incredible. And so here comes Elsa. She's with the cast and she's getting ready to sing Let It Go. And so I say, Hannah, hey, babe, you got to quick, you got to snap a picture. I want to see this. I wanted to capture this magical moment. Hannah pulls her phone out and starts to take a picture. And immediately Hannah kind of grimaces and says, what's wrong, sweetheart? And asked um, kind of what was happening. And I'm like, hey, what's happening? You know, show me the picture. What do you mean? And I look at this picture and I kid you not, this little girl is on my shoulders in the happiest place on earth. And she is pouting and frowning. She's not even looking at Elsa. She's looking like this, just like, I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, hey, sweetheart, what's going on? Like, why are you upset? Look, it's Elsa. She's getting ready to sing. You know, I'm like yelling above the blaring music. You see, all our foster daughter could focus on wasn't the stage. It wasn't the thing that she had been longing for since we told her we were going to Disney. She was looking at a bubble wand of Ariel. <laughs> when we came in, that was the first thing she saw and she couldn't stop thinking about it. It distracted her from everything around her. She was so distracted by her desire for something that she couldn't focus on what she had been longing for for weeks. Jesus tells us in our passage today that we too often miss it, what we often miss what our hearts are truly longing for. Now, before we jump into our passage, I know it's been a minute since we were last together in Mark, right? We took time to pause, um, kind of to transition in between holidays, yes, but also to give us a moment to recast some of the vision to set for us kind of a goal for 2021. Now, I know it's been a long time since we've been in Mark, so I want to kind of reframe the scene since we were in Advent, and then we kind of took some time to look at the vision. So now we're jumping into Mark. Now, it had been a long and emotional day for Jesus, right? If we look back to chapter 3, first thing we see is his mother and brothers had come in an attempt to forcibly take Jesus back to Nazareth to protect him from himself. Then he had been accused by the scribes of being in league with Beelzebub, to which he issues a solemn warning against the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, right? The unforgivable sin. And then finally, he proclaims the shocking fact that his true mother and brothers were not his earthly relations, but whoever does the will of God. So now he's got all these crowds and they're really pressing in on him. And he ends up moving to a boat and starts teaching. And it's from this watery pulpit that Jesus gives several parables. The first being what we're going to look at this morning, and that is the parable of the sower. In chapter 4 of Mark, Mark kind of pauses what his, you know, kind of ebb and flow has been for a while. And he gives us the longest run of Jesus' teaching in his gospel. And today we see that he, he gives multiple parables. He gives lots in this teaching account. And the first of two accounts that we're going to see in the gospel of Mark that are lengthy segments of teaching, we capture this parable, the parable of the sower. Now, here's my challenge for us as we look at this passage. This is familiar. I think if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this parable before. And it would be tempting to just kind of 
Nah, I get it. I know what I'm. I know what's there. But there's so much. Um, I just spent time really pouring over the text this week. I'm telling you, there is a lot here for all of us. So let's kind of set aside any preconceived notions and ask God to speak to us from His Word. Here, here's what I want us to catch, and here's what I want to challenge us with: that we must have hearts that hear and obey. We must have hearts that hear and obey. So let's look back at the passage and let's see first mystery revealed. Verses 10 through 12. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So, again, the first kind of verses one through, uh, uh, one, sorry, one through nine are kind of the first bit where Jesus tells this story. The scene then pauses. It's almost like we're watching a movie and it fast forwards to a cut scene where Jesus is with his disciples with the closest followers and they're asking him for clarification about the story he just told. And Jesus starts to give them clarity. It's really important because Jesus often teaches in parables. Parables are stories with a message. And Jesus tells his followers that they are being given this secret of the kingdom of God. The mystery of the ages is being revealed to them. But to the hard-hearted, to those outside of this, parables are a warning. But to the open-hearted, parables illustrate principles of the messianic rule of the kingdom of God. Jesus is illuminating this parable for his disciples. He's kind of opening the, the door for them, letting them see what this parable has to teach us. It's been described that parables are kind of like stained glass windows. From the outside, they're dull and lifeless, but when you go in, man, they're brilliant and radiant. So here's Jesus, and he's addressing the twelve. He, he's, he's speaking to the twelve and those who want more of him and his teaching. So these are his closest followers. And he says they will be granted access and insight to the secrets of the kingdom of God. But in contrast, right, those on the outside, they're not going to get explanation. They're only going to get more parables. Then he quotes Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 to drive home his point and to demonstrate that the scriptures are being fulfilled in him. right? They may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. His point is that just as the sun both hardens the clay and softens the wax, so the word of God often offends the resistant and rebellious, but it is enthusiastically received by the receptive. Those outside, they're not denied the possibility of belief. But if they persist in their unbelief, they're not going to receive more evidence. They're not going to receive more revelation. And that brings clarity, right? When we we jump down to verse 25, which we'll look at next week, Jesus says, For to one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The challenge is that we, if we love the word... We're going to get more satisfaction. We're going to get more understanding and who God has revealed himself to be. But 
if we refuse the word, and even the, the, then even the understanding that we do have will be taken away. The secret of the kingdom of God is that God's present plan for growing it is seed sowing. Later, the kingdom will flourish like seeds into mature fruit. His rule has come in an unexpected manner, but it has come. So the question for us as we look at this parable is, do you have ears that will hear? Will you see it grow? Is your heart willing to receive what Jesus has for you? So the mystery of the parable is open to those who follow Jesus. So let's take a look at the parable again through Jesus's explanation. Look down at verse 13 through 20 and let's see second, the four soils. So starting again in verse 13 and we'll read to verse 20, 13 through 20. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on a rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And when they have no root in themselves, and, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. So Jesus tells us that there is a sower and four soils. Now, to understand this parable, we've got to put it in context. Palestinian farmers utilize the technique of sowing that is different than what we may be familiar with in our modern day farming. What they would do is they would sow seed by casting it out, and then after they would sow their seed, then they would plow. Think of it kind of like they were tucking the seed in. This isn't a parable about a sower being wasteful. It's a parable about where the seed falls. This is a challenge to Jesus's hearers, and it's a challenge to us. So the sower is Jesus, the seeds are the word of the gospel, and the soils are the Jewish leaders, the crowds of people, and the disciples. But this parable is also analogous to us, right? The sower being a herald of the gospel, and the soils being the hearts of those who hear the message. Jesus is teaching a scandalous message. See, the kingdom of God, it, it, through, through the messianic reign of Jesus, it doesn't come in an explosion of a governmental overthrowing. That's not what happens. It doesn't burst onto the scene gloriously. No, in fact, it comes much simpler than that. It comes like a simple farmer throwing seed, much of which is going to go to waste because the soil isn't fit for it. Jesus is inaugurating his kingdom in patient, redemptive mercy. He will return, yes, and ultimately bring justice, but for now, the seed of mercy is scattered. So in order to understand this, really this parable of the sower could be called the parable of the soils. 
So let's look at these four soils. The first one being hard soil, right? Verse 15, and those are the ones along the path where this word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. This is the soil that was well trodden, right? This is the soil that uh, when you see, there, there are people who have been walking on these paths, kind of like a trail in the forest. The, the, the dirt has been packed down so much that the soil can't penetrate it. In fact, it just sits on top, and that's why it's analogous to those with hard hearts. The seed can't penetrate, and so Satan comes and snatches it like a bird. These are hearts that have been so eroded on that they have a gospel deafness. No sooner does the word come to them than Satan removes it. In Jesus' day, this was the leaders. These were those who compared the works of Jesus to being done by the power of Beelzebub. Today, this is the person who, for whatever reason, has become so hardened to the gospel that whenever the book closes, whenever the service ends, so does their ears and their hearts. There is no place for them to receive from God. The second soil we see is rocky soil, right? Verse 16, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Here we see those with shallow hearts. This is soil that produces those who are quickly green and then quickly gone. This is the person that has an emotional response to the word. But when persecution arises, they quickly walk away because roots have not sunken deep. Jesus was speaking to a crowd. There would be those who would cry Hosanna and then a week later crucify him. He knew in his audience that there were those who had shallow hearts. So the first thing we saw was hard hearts. Now Jesus is speaking of those with shallow hearts. I think many of us have known people who claimed Christ with enthusiasm. Right? I think back to my church camp days. People who had a big emotional response, maybe even were joy-filled. But when tragedy and persecution arose, because those things inevitably come, they walk away. Eugene Peterson says it this way, These are those with shallow soil of character, that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. The third soil we see is thorny soil. Verse 18, And others are the ones sown among thorns, They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enters in and chokes the word and it it proves unfruitful. So we saw hard hearts, shallow hearts, but these are those with distracted hearts. It seems that they are growing, right? It seems like, hey man, these are people who are rooted deeply. And then they're distracted by worry, wealth, and the craving for things other than Jesus. I think back to my analogy at the beginning, the story of our foster daughter. You see, Jesus knew there would be those among the crowd who would be willing to follow until the costs pulled them away. This is the one who is 
partially committed to Jesus, which means you really have no commitment. Worries are the result of a life centered on possessions, not Jesus. We have seen many who claim Jesus Christ and then fall victim to their worries, to their desire for things other than Jesus. Desire for possessions deceives and leads to a life of worry, choking out the life of the Spirit. So we've seen hard, rocky, and thorny soil. But finally, we see good soil. Verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So this is the fruitful soil. This is the soil of the disciples who would carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. What makes this incredible is that three quarters of what the sower is throwing out, what the sower is doing, that labor is lost. Three quarters of it. And yet, the yield is miraculous. You see, a common yield in that day was 10 to 1. That was considered good. So if you threw out 10 seeds and one yielded fruit, hey, that's a good harvest. But Jesus says this yield was 30 or 60 or 100 fold, saying, you know, that, hey, some of these disciples will accomplish more than others, but all of them will produce an abundant harvest of fruit. It's incredible. This is those in Jesus' day, who hear the word, accept it, obey it, and bear fruit. This is his disciples, those who followed him. Right? Tribulation, persecution, it doesn't deter them. Worries, wealth, personal desires, sinful cravings does not derail the person who has the good soil that where the seed roots deeply in their hearts. This is an active hearing. Now, let me say this. It's important we understand that in order to follow Jesus, we must have hearts that are good soil. Because a fruitless Christian is not possible. It isn't. There are a lot of people who talk about carnal Christians. Now, I'm not talking about someone who wrestles with sin, who is living a life of repentance and faith. But I'm talking about the person who has no evidence of knowing Jesus. Maybe they had an emotional response once and now they can live however they want. No, that's not possible. Jesus says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is a challenge for us. If we don't see fruit bearing in us, that shows that we're not really connected to the power of God through faith in his word. We need to examine our lives to see what kind of soil are we. Which this brings me to my third and final point, and that's this three. We must have hearts that hear. We must have hearts that hear. The condition of our heart determines our receptivity to the truth. So friend, do you have a heart that hears? You see, we often see this parable as a story that only applies to our salvation. But this is a parable that plays itself out every Sunday and every morning as we sit before God's Word. What soil does the Word find in our hearts? The first three types of soil imply a hearing that is quick, superficial, it's in one ear, it's out the other, without any effort to hear. 
The paramount purpose of this parable is hearing. Jesus talks about hearing eight times in verses 14 through 20. Eight times! So are you listening to him? Does your heart produce fruit? Spiritual growth cannot happen when God's kingdom is marginalized in your life. Again, this is why we named the church Coram Deo, because the whole of our lives are to be lived before his face. So there are people who will talk to me and say, you know, Billy, I just feel like things have been really tough and, and I'm not really seeing. And, they, and, and, and then I ask questions, just kind of prodding and digging and, and wanting to know, hey, where are you at? How can I be praying for you? What's going on? And come to find out they're rarely in the word. When they are, they're half listening. Of course, the worries of this life are choking out the hope of the gospel. Because it's not finding a receptive heart. Again, spiritual growth cannot happen when God's kingdom is marginalized in your life. Friends, what this parable is, is the way of the world versus the way of Jesus. What voices are speaking into your life? Have you ever prayed, Lord, make me a good hearer? Are you seeking to be good soil? Are you removing distractions? Are you, are you making a plan so that his word can be implanted in you? Listen, certainly this parable has much to teach us about how God saves, how it is ultimately his work in calling us to follow. He is the one who ultimately bears fruit in us, right? Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He is the source. He is the power. But we must be those who hold the tension between God's sovereignty and our responsibility. Jesus' words here call us to respond to truth. Y'all, this has been a difficult week to try and write a sermon. Um, and I know it's been a difficult week for many of you as well. Syncretism happened when flags with our Lord's name flew beside Confederate flags and nooses in our nation's capital. And I'm convinced... More than ever, that so many so-called Christians in our nation are biblically illiterate. The Word of God has not found good soil in their hearts, but instead has just been a marginalized aspect in which they utilize it to promote themselves or their desires or their longings. They have fixed their eyes off of Jesus. Friends, we must be those who have hearts that hear. This is a challenge for us this morning. We must be hungry for the Word of God. Listen, we got to go after it. We've got to grab hold of it. We, we, we can't let it go. We've got to be like a starving beggar who's found bread. We seize it with all that we are, and we cherish it for the life-sustaining food that it is. Who has ears? Let him hear. If you are not in the Word, open it up and receive from Him. It's not always easy, right? Sometimes we open it up and sometimes we're in difficult places and we have to ask hard questions and we have to do the work of studying, the work of understanding. Would we commit to that? Would we say we're not going to be people who have a half-hearted listening, but we're going to be people who wholeheart this thing, and look at it and, and seek to understand, seek to spend time because we know that his words are life. If 
you are in the Word, open it up and ask God to bear fruit in you. This is fruit that is both qualitative, that is, fruit of Christ-like character, right? The fruits of the Spirit. But it's also fruit that is quantitative. This is where we bring others into the kingdom. We must have hearts that hear and obey. Jesus is after hearing that affects the heart and prompts obedience. Friends, Jesus can produce good soil in you. Even if you've been the trodden soil, right, where Satan snatches it away, God can plow over the lies and cares of this world and give you a new heart. Consider the Apostle Paul. He is one of the greatest... he's one of the greatest examples of someone who can have their heart changed. He hears this unbelievable exposition on God's redemptive story. Stephen gives this incredible articulation of God's providential work from creation all the way to Jesus. And yet, Paul accepts the coats of those who murdered Stephen, saying, his death be on me. This was a hard heart. And we noticed a few pages later that God softens his heart. Takes this trodden soil, this hard heart, makes him the good soil, gives him a new heart. And then Saul becomes Paul and takes the gospel forward. If you know others who seem to be hard, who seem to be shallow or distracted soil, listen, God can produce good soil in their hearts. Pray for them, but also, friends, consider the state of your own heart. Are you one who sees distractions, worries, the cares of the world, taking your heart captive? Friend, would you repent this morning? Would you lay those things at the feet of Jesus? Would you ask him to to sow the seed of truth in your heart, producing a fruitful life? Friends, the application for this morning is very simple. Let's be a people who live our lives shaped by the gospel. See, the good news of the gospel is this. Jesus teaches us that we have life and life abundantly because he lived a life without sin. No one understands the struggles that we have, the temptations that we have quite like Jesus. Jesus understands well. Yet, he, though he lived without sin, chose to walk towards the cross of Calvary, taking all of our shame, all of our sin, all of our baggage, and exchanging it with his very righteousness. He then rises again, securing our salvation from Satan, sin, and death. And now we have life and life eternal. You see, the joy of the gospel is not do more so that God will be happy with you. It's that because God is happy with you in Jesus, we delight to spend time in his word. See, that is the good soil of the gospel. So friends, the application is simple. Are you in the word? Is the gospel alive in you? Are you spending time asking the hard questions, digging deep, searching, 
Again, we gave out the CBR journal a few weeks ago, and I would encourage you, if you don't have one, please let us know. I would love to get one to you. But let's also commit to actually reading it. Let's commit to actually communicating with each other. Hey, here's what God's been doing. Or, hey, I'm reading this and I don't really understand it. That we would be people who see the gospel seed root deep into our hearts and then produce fruit in us. Let's be a people that bear the fruit of the gospel. Let's be a people who see the word come to life in us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the hope of the gospel. We're so grateful, Lord, for your word. I pray, God, that we would be a people who see are seeking it out, that your word would find good soil in our hearts, and that it would root deeply in us and bear fruit through us. Make us more like Jesus. Call us to reach out to others, to call them to the hope of the gospel that we have. Cause us to be a people who long for and hunger for the Word of God. May we do the hard work of diving deep so that the gospel seed would root deep in us. We're so thankful, Lord, that we have your Word, that we have this hope. We pray all of this in Jesus Christ's good and holy name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.